What's going on, everybody? This is Jerome Moore, host and creator of Deep Dish Conversations. And firstly, I want to say thank you for all of support and thank you for exploring the perspectives of social change with me on this platform. I want to encourage you all to like, subscribe, and follow us on YouTube and on your favorite podcast listening platform. And make sure you give us a five-star rating if you're loving the Deep Dish Conversations. I appreciate all of the support again. I hope you all enjoy this episode. Everybody, I'm Jerome Moore, host of Deep Dish Conversations, and today's guest we have the wonderful, the amazing, the beautiful outside and inside Jackie <laughs> Sims. Jackie, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Jerome. I'm doing good. It's good to have you here. I'm excited about this conversation. Um, you're originally from Philadelphia, Philly. West Philadelphia, West Philadelphia, born and to raised be, to be specific. <laughs> West. So, are, are there any other people that we may know about that comes out of West Philadelphia? Because there's a lot of people we know that come from Philadelphia, but what about West Philadelphia? Outside of yourself. Yeah. Oh, I don't know who else. Um, I don't think Patty LaBelle was West Philly. Um, off the top of my head, no. no. I can't think Just of Just the great Jackie. Yeah, Sam. yeah. Speaking of Patti LaBelle, did you catch, you hear about the verses between Patti LaBelle and uh, Gladys? No. They, they had like a verses. So this is this whole thing. They do like verses battles where they have like some legendary artists go song for song. And it's a like good, like just good vibes, good energy. And they talk about some of the history. So that right. was a good like home cooking Oh, okay. Uh, versus battle. Yeah, Patty loves you know her food scene. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Is Patty, is Patty the one with the sweet sweet pies? Sweet yes. Potato pies. Yes. I'm a chess pot person. Mm-hmm. Personally, I ain't a sweet potato pie. But um, West Philadelphia. How was it growing up in West Philadelphia? Um, it was awesome. Um, West Philadelphia, Philadelphia period was a city that probably had more black homeowners than any other city in okay. the in the country at one time. Okay. So everybody I knew in Philly owned the home. You know, everybody was a two-parent family. Okay. Um, parents working. Um, we would definitely be considered maybe more lower, um, lower to middle, because when I was coming up, the community was filled with your teachers, your postmen, the trash man, the right. um, everybody lived, we all lived together amongst one another. You know, my father was a law enforcement officer, my mother worked for GE, um, so we, we had a good life right. um, back in the day when right. I was growing up in Philadelphia. And what, what was the time period? Um, I started <laughs> elementary school in 1958. 1958. Yes. Okay. Very young, very young. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So season, season. Yeah, right. Yeah. Season, experienced. Mm-hmm. So during that time in West Philadelphia, you mentioned just the, the the community, the employment. When did you realize like a shift? I guess. Well, I didn't realize. My parents made the decision in '74 that they were going to move out of Philadelphia, and my sisters and I, I had two sisters. We were horrified because we loved Philadelphia. We right. loved the culture, the right. food, the music, right. um, friends, family. Um, Philadelphia is what we knew. Right. And, and then when we heard we were moving to South Carolina, where we used to visit once a year because mm-hmm. we have family in South Carolina, right. we were really horrified then. <laughs> so, um, but my parents 
saw what was about to be a, a huge um, wave that was about to hit the city. So they sold their home when they could get, you know, maximum amount of money. Right. And my, my father had a job that took him south. And I think I was 18. I think it was 18 or 19 when we moved to South Carolina. So how was that leaving, you know, East Culture Coast? Culture shock. So what was it like? So because we, cause we, we know, we understand the South is it was different. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a little different. Yeah. And so being 18 years old, you know, you could definitely at that age, like, oh, this is, you know, different different times, different, this different yeah, it was environment, just, especially it was. in South Carolina specifically. So what were kind of the biggest, like, kind of differences you noticed and possibly had to adapt to? as a black woman, young woman. Well, first of all, I lived in the urban core of Philadelphia in West West Philly. So there was no place you could not get to um, by bus or subway or L or trolley. Right. My parents bought a nice little house on a dirt road. (laughs) So that was the first thing that went wrong. (laughs) No concrete. No concrete. We were on a dirt road. I'm like, oh my gosh. And then... We, I love jazz. I started appreciating jazz at about 14 years old. Right. No jazz. Um, I couldn't even get a, what I felt was a decent R&B station back then. Right. And then there was the food. You grew up in Philadelphia. You are a bona fide foodie. You have no choice. What's the, what's the best food? What, you, what food what you talking about? The first thing I missed was um, a really good pizza. Okay. They didn't exist in the South. I okay. don't care what nobody says. All they right. didn't exist. Supposed to know and uh, there yeah, were no pizza. Jewish delicatessen, so I missed my pastrami on rye <laughs> with the pickle out the barrel. Um, uh, Philadelphia had an amazing Chinatown. No Chinatown down South. Nah. So it was, nah. I think that was one of the greater disappointments, right. um, missing all the amazing food that Philly has to offer and the culture, right. you know. Right. So now... Are you telling me, are you saying that East Coast has better food than the South? Um, you got <laughs> to understand, everybody from the South, I mean, everybody in Philly was from, from Georgia, the, right. South Carolina, right, right, Virginia. Right. So we were eating the same food. Right, you know, okay. I grew up eating chitlins and, right, right, and you know, right. the whole nine yards. Right, right. Yeah. I'm, I'm a, a chitlin eater myself. Yeah, Real well, country. I don't touch them now, but, you know, my daddy made them every New Year's. Oh, uh, yeah. That's, you know, New Year's, <laughs> Christmas. You know, you know, you got to yeah. Thanksgiving. You, got, you only going to have them once. Maybe, maybe if you're lucky. Once a year. That's all we twice, have. Twice if you're lucky. But maybe if you're lucky, maybe once a year. Like you said, yeah, once they, a year. They're cleaning and they, who, who don't nobody want to do that? No, we left the house. <laughs> <laughs> we would go to the movies. You could see a double movie back then. And, and so, uh, and so, yeah, ain't no double movie now. Nah. Barely, barely one no. now. Um, so, from West Philly to South Carolina, what would your friends say about you growing up, like in either city, West Philadelphia or um, South Carolina, like a, a young? Jackie. Well, um, in Philadelphia, I think a lot of friends would be shocked that I have acclimated so well to the South. I Mm. love the South. Um, I really didn't build relationships in South Carolina until I was on the other side of 30, early 30s, because I was an undergrad and graduate school in Huntsville, Alabama. Okay. 
So I lived in Alabama in Huntsville for 10 years, and then I came back to South Carolina, um, and I was in graduate school then. Uh, got married, children, and stayed in South Carolina for 25 years. That's a long time. Yeah. What, um, so you can, one would say you, can, you liked South Carolina for stayed there for 25 years? Well, I was there whether <laughs> I liked it or not. Yeah. Well, um, how was your time in Huntsville, Alabama? Huntsville, Huntsville was interesting. Huntsville was, was completely concentrated around the undergraduate school that I went to, which was Oakwood University. I was raised a Seventh-day Adventist. Okay. And uh, then I went to Alabama A&M for grad school. Okay. So my life basically existed on one campus or the other. Although okay. I lived off campus, I really didn't get into Huntsville right. you know, itself, the city. Right. Yeah. What, um, what life changes, experiences did you have or did you encounter that helped you grow as a person during those times in Huntsville, if any? Huntsville was, this is kind of sad to say, but Huntsville really began to teach me about racism. Mm. Because growing up in Philadelphia. Not Huntsville, Alabama. Huntsville, Alabama, <laughs> no, man. No, not Alabama. Teach you about race? No yeah. way. Yeah, because Philadelphia is very separate. Right. You know, everybody lives in their own community. Italians live here, black folks right. live here. You know, upper middle class people live somewhere. You don't even know where they are. Right. You know, Irish live here. So everybody had their spot. And, right. and, and those are the people that you interacted with on a daily basis, except if you went downtown to shop. Right. You know. Um, Huntsville, I remember one day I was walking down a main thoroughfare, thoroughfare and I think I was going to the mall and a car drove up close to me and bombed me with some raw eggs. What? I thought I had been shot. <laughs> wow. And I was, you know, I was like horrified right. and I really couldn't understand why that happened? Right. You know, when I went back to campus and talked to one of my professors, you know, he began to give me a education real quick. Right. Um, and by the, t by the time I got to my junior year, we started going to Atlanta. Right. And we would drive on those back roads going through Scottsboro right. um, and Rome, uh, Georgia. And we also got an education on how careful we needed to be driving right. through those back roads. I never right. told my parents that I went through those back roads right. to get to um, to Atlanta. And that was like 73. Wow. So Atlanta was just really integrating, right. you know, the school system and, right. and a lot of things. Um, but growing up Adventist, I went to also went to a Seventh-day Adventist boarding academy. Okay. Um, and we lived on campus. Okay. And we were all black. Right. And then going to an all black um, university, which Oakwood was. Right. Um, and growing up in Philadelphia, West Philly, which was predominantly black, at least my community, I didn't have a lot of interaction with, with white folk. Right. I, I just really didn't. Right. Um, and Families that migrated from the South and went North, like my grandpa, my grandpa would never talk about the South. Right. And he swore he would never go back there again. He was raised in Aiken. And my dad came from um, Union County, mm -hmm. um, South Carolina, which is 
right outside of Spartanburg County where I lived for 25 years. So people, I don't know whether that, I personally don't think it was a good thing, right. but they didn't want to talk about their experiences down south. Please join us for Deep Dish Conversations. Follow us on Instagram and YouTube, and please check out Gino's Pizza. So, so how did you, you do a lot, so how did you get from, from, from where you started to where you are now? What is that, what is that story? Okay, well, I jokingly tell people that the Lord threw me out of South Carolina. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, all doors just slammed shut in my face. Um, and, and one thing that I still pray to this day, you know, if I'm traveling down the wrong road or I'm doing the wrong thing, Lord, stop me because you know how I am. Right. You know. I'll keep going and keep doing it. I have workaholic tendencies in me. So I came to South Carolina, I mean, to Tennessee from South Carolina because I had family here. My okay. sons were both at Fisk. Okay. My mom and dad were here, and my sister, she'd been here since 1992. Okay. So she was well-established in the community. And they had been wanting us to move anyway, so I packed my daughters up and cats and dogs. <laughs> and um, We came to um, Nashville in 2008. Okay. And I had no job or no home. When I registered my daughter in school, I realized that I was legally homeless, mm. you know, because I was living with family and oh. I wasn't working. So I'm like, wow, I'm homeless. Okay. Um, so um, one of the things I did early on was go to, it used to be Kijiji's, I hear, but um, Phyllis Hildreth had turned it into another kind of eerie place on yeah. Jefferson. And they had a coffee club um, meeting on Thursday mornings, networking. I said, well, this is how I'm gonna learn about Nashville. I'm going to network. Right. Um, I, I knew how to network like a fat rat right. uh, in South Carolina. Right. Um, that was a part of my job. So I just started meeting people and meeting people and collecting cards and talking to folks, asking questions. And after that, it was time for me to start volunteering. Right. So I started to volunteer. Um, and, and, my, and my prayer was to open the right door for me because I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, I didn't want to practice again as a mental health professional um, because for me, because of some experiences I had in South Carolina, that would be a burden. It was a burden I didn't want to take on okay. other people's stuff. I didn't want to deal with other people's stuff. Not that way. <laughs> right. And so then um, I was just waiting for the right door to open, volunteering. And um, I started out with sharing her to jump. Okay. Because um, she came to the coffee um, club meetings a lot, got to know her. Um, and because of where her office was, I soon met Keith Caldwell. Okay. Um, and then I got involved with Tennessee Alliance for Progress. Um, and the whole time I was meeting people, I was learning because I had never been in like the organizing community where people are doing social justice stuff. Right. I, th that was new to me. I only organize with government entities and um, nonprofits and, and we did all our collaborating around um, 
crime victimization. That's right. the population I serve, victims of violent crime. And uh, so I was meeting a whole new bunch of folk doing stuff that was interesting, exciting, right. but it was really foreign to me. Right. And then Keith introduced me to Dr. Lawson, okay. Dr. James Lawson. And um, I knew then that my whole life was going to change. Hmm. And that I had found the work that I was going to do, this organizing thing, you right. know. And um, so I sat under Dr. Lawson for a solid year, and I literally began to redefine myself as a Christian right. through this work in community um, with and for my brothers and sisters. And um, so Christianity looked different to me. It, right. it was no longer about sitting in pews, right. you know, and showing up looking cute, right. you know, and then going home and back to business as usual. My, I knew that I was going to have a life of service. Right. And, and it was going to require sacrifice. Right. And I was ready, ready to make the sacrifice. So for the first five years, although I was in and out of uh, a few nonprofits trying to get a good feel for the city. Most of my work was volunteer work. But I strongly depended on the Lord to sustain me because I knew this is where he put me. Right. So, you know, my feelings were, well, if this is what you want me to do, you know, you are my only partner and you have to take care of me. Right. And, and my kids. Right. And, and he was faithful. Um, absolutely, completely faithful. So, um... What was the biggest challenges, hurdles, like, during that time? You know... There weren't just the learning. Right. You know, I was learning so much that was new to me. Right. I remember when I met Clemmie Greenlee and and this is when I was kind of canvassing on my own, not under any organization's umbrella, right. just on my own because she was telling me about how a part of North Nashville used to be between um, Buchanan and Clay and specifically around Cephas and you know she told me about her son and you know how she lost her son and, and what her life was like before she got into organizing right. um, and that was that was so that was such a rich relationship for me right. um, and it helped me realize just how much I had been changed because in my early life I was a snob <laughs> with a capital S N U B you know, right. it was it was how I was reared. Right. Well, it's not that my parents wanted me to be a snob, right. but it was the people that I was in proximity to, and right. and I ended up being that way. So, you know, the Lord had a lot of humbling mm -hmm. to do with Jackie. Right. And um, and I, you know, as I've met people that came from. A different world than what I grew up in 
it was so refreshing. And I just felt myself growing and evolving and becoming a better human being, right. you know, constantly becoming a better human being. And service became such a joy, even when it was hard, right. you know, because I wasn't a young thing out in the street, you know. Right. Um, fortunately, I was in reasonably good health and, you know, I could do all the things I needed to do. Right. So it became important to me to touch each of the areas where I saw people suffering the most. Mm. You know, which is why I spent a year at Open Table. I thought that work was going to kill me. <laughs> Chased around <laughs> behind homeless people in the middle of the night, right. you know, trying to make sure they're okay. Right. So I, that was really, that work was very physical. Hmm. I think that was the hardest job I've ever done. Wow. And I had to remove myself from that for right. my own safety. Right. Um, but I still have... Um, a deep affinity for the homeless um, right. population. And, right. and I remember when I came to Nashville, I was legally homeless. Right. Um, so criminal justice issues became extremely important to me. I worked on the other side of the system as a victim advocate. Right. I found myself on the reentry side, was, which was so much more gratifying and so much more eye-opening. And reentry began to sh really reveal to me what America really was mm. and what it was not. It was not the land of the home, you know, right. it was beautiful, free, but it was none of that shit, <laughs> none of it. Right. And I'm like, wow, you know. Um, I even took two, two people into my home who were homeless um, to help them get on their feet. Right. One did very well and one didn't so right. no telling what became of the one who didn't 50 percent. yeah but the one <laughs> who did when i tell you that it was that was one of the best educations i ever had in my life living with a person who had been in prison for 27 years and then thrown out into the street right um he became um an alcoholic um because he never drank you know, his, right. he, he just never drank. Um, but homelessness, I imagine, will drive you to drinking. Right. Um, but I learned so much um, about me right. just watching him and trying to, you know, allow the Lord to use me to get him in a better place. Mm -hmm. And um, I personally, as I watched him evolve as a Christian, I began to f feel kind of embarrassed about my own Christianity hmm. because I saw things in his transition that <laughs> where I had yet not, yet, yet not grown. Right. Um, and that was a very humbling. Um, so wanting to understand the work that I was doing, working at Neighborhood Resource Center and watching District 5. Right. Um, Scott Davis was the, was the councilman. And watching that district flip, mm -hmm. you know, I knew a ton of black folk in District 5, still do. Right. But watching young white gentrifiers come in and with the attitudes that they came in with and watching how that 
neighborhood shifted left a very bad taste in my mouth. Mm. Um, and watching government do nothing, not caring a rip. Really? About the government didn't do anything? Not giving a rip. <laughs> really? You know? Yeah, so, <laughs> I don't know, this is, you know, the, the more I learn, the more I want to learn. The more I, I experience, the more I want to experience. What, what um, brings you the most joy about doing the work that you do and organizing? Just being useful. Mm. You know, my content, continuous prayer is, Lord, put me to use. Right. You know, whatever gifts, whatever talents, whatever strengths, whatever right. you give gave to me, you didn't give it to me for just because, right. you know, right. I, I live and breathe on planet Earth. Right. You gave it to me to use. So right. show me how to use it. So what's the next what's the next steps for you in the community as far as organizing next big project? What do you see yourself being useful in going forward? Well, um, I've gathered a lot of expertise in housing um, okay. as lead organizer with PATH. Right. And I'm going to continue to grow that and, and hopefully help change in any, in any small way the housing crisis that right. does exist here in Nashville, right. um, especially for people of color. And working with the Nashville People's um, Budget Alliance, they're a very radical group. And what I'm finding is I'm far more radical than I realize. Mm. Um, I've always been someone that kind of went against the grain. I've, you know, right. I, I, rebel. Yeah, I guess that's always been in me. Right. You know, I, I, that, that's just who I am. So um, I understand where. Um, the young adults that I work very closely with are coming from right. and I try to I don't want to be that older person that thinks they know everything because I, I, I don't right. um, I, I'm the first person to say that I don't but I try to be that person now that can offer some wisdom mm -hmm. because I do think that is one of my strengths okay. um, I do have wisdom um, and um, and I do my own research. You know, I have an ample amount of intellectual curiosity, so I'm always searching and digging. Right. Finding out new things. Always, always. I love learning. Right. Um, I love growth. Right. Um, if you're not growing, you're dying. Right. There's no right. stagnant, you know, right. stay stuck in one place. Right. So I try to use everything that I've been given to to provide some guidance. Um, sometime I have to do more than guidance, like I told you about the right. workshop. Right. I had to very diplomatically take it over. Right. Because they were like, oh, Lord, help me. Right. You know, I, gotta, right. I gotta do something here. <laughs> right, right. So I, I just try, again, trying to be useful, right. you know, in this organizing space and using the benefit of um, all the decades that I've been on planet Earth, the experiences that I've had, right. the good, bad, and ugly. Right. Um, I, I could never be in a position to judge another person. Right. Um, I, you know, as a mental health professional, I understand a lot right. about why people do the things they do. And, um, you know, so for as long as I'm living and breathing and I can get these two legs and two feet going, right. and my brain still works, right. you know, I'm going to keep 
I hope I will keep growing. How can people contact you if they want to get involved in the, the thousands of things that you're doing here in Nashville? How can people contact you? What is the best information to get in touch you or? Best thing is just to take my regular, um, my regular Gmail because I okay. use that most of the time anyway. And okay. that's Jackie Paul Sims. I'm a one M Sims um, at gmail.com. Twitter, Facebook. <laughs> I, I'm trying to recon. I have a. Stick to the Twitter stick, page, stick to the but Gmail. I don't. Yeah, stick to the Gmail, cause, right. or you can text me, 615-679-8388. I always, you know, respond to my right. texts, and I right. always respond to, you know, my Gmail. Okay. Um, I, I peep at my Facebook, right. and then I get off. My Twitter, even less, and I don't do Instagram at all. But my daughter said she's going to get me there. But... Um, my fear, it will take up my precious time and lessen the things that I deem more valuable. Mm. Well, that's Jackie Sims. I appreciate your time, Jackie. You enjoy the pizza? Yes, oh, absolutely. Good.